You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry, from helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more. The reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and My Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and My Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and My Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C level executives to help them future proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. (laughs) Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Well, happy Sunday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on today's special Sunday Candidate Highlight Series of The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on another fun-filled episode. Today, having a conversation with Natalie Bruno. She is running for governor out in Oklahoma as a libertarian. And yes, we're discussing the dirty, ugly secret. People love to root for the underdogs. They just don't like to vote for them. So how do we change that narrative. Natalie was a uh, marketing guru and still is a marketing guru, uh, most notably uh, her work in telecom, but also uh, you guys probably know her from the Joe Jorgensen Spike Cohen campaign, so a great chance to dig into her marketing brain and also to figure out how we can help, yes, get libertarian solutions on the forefront of people's minds when they're looking to solve the problems they see around them every single day. So with that being said, on to the show, Natalie Bruno here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hi, thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Natalie, thank you for joining us here on today's special Sunday candidate highlight series, because candidly, I am getting kind of the best of both worlds. I'm getting someone who's running for office as a libertarian candidate. In this case, you're running for Oklahoma governor. But also, I get to talk about sales and marketing to somebody who is actually in sales and marketing. So I'm excited because I think we're going to have a lot of synergy. Oh, God, I hate myself for even saying the word synergy. <laughs> Everybody in corporate America just said, oh, collectively groaning into their their phones. But I, I do feel for sure we're going to have a, a good conversation focused on how, yes, we can craft that libertarian message 
to our target market, who is our buyer persona, all that in between. But first, let's kind of talk about your path to liberty. So first, introduce your uh, rather introduce yourself. I, I, I apparently hit puberty there. Introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience, your path to liberty, and also, uh, as I hinted, your uh, path to a marketing career. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I have been in the Libertarian Party for a few years now. Uh, previous to that, I like to make the joke that I was one of those individuals that have literally been registered as everything at some point in time. So started out as an independent, then was like, no, you know, maybe I'm a Democrat. No, it was wrong. Maybe I was a Republican until finally a friend of mine who was a Libertarian was like, you know, I've been telling you this for years. Your ideology is exactly, you know, the same ideology as Libertarians. And so um, obviously, as most people, you think libertarian, you think liberal. Um, so I did some digging, did some reading, um, you know, did the world's smallest political quiz at one point, And I was like, OK, OK, I'm going to stop fighting it. Obviously, yes, I'm a libertarian and then got more involved from there. Um, background in general. So I'm a military brat. Um, my father was in the Army for 32 years. Uh, so I ping ponged all over the United States. Um, I was born here in Oklahoma. Um, I moved back as an adult after I graduated high school out of Texas and have been here ever since. Um, I do a lot of philanthropy here in Oklahoma. Um, I've coached multiple sports teams, soccer and basketball. Um, I'm on multiple um, nonprofit boards. And I've really ingrained myself with the community here. And so whenever I um, had discussed with my state party about the opportunity of instead of running a campaign, actually being a candidate, um, I realized that that was something that I felt like God was kind of leading me to. And so I jumped right on it. So you're running for office as a candidate for governor, which is a big step. I know we've had a couple of candidates here running for governor. Joe Solowski, of course, just jumps to mind here in PA being in Philly. Yes. But I, I love to see we are having candidates running for these very important state and local elections. So Let's look at Oklahoma. You've been involved in Oklahoma politics, particularly through a liberty lens. But what was the, I guess, the issue or what was the thing that happened that pushed you to say, OK, it's time to actually run for office? I know you mentioned you, you felt compelled in, in some way. Was there any like trigger that you maybe noticed that really was the, I guess, ultimate launching off point? Yeah, so my aha moment, um, or light bulb, I guess you could say, um, is that Oklahoma in general, you know, whenever I was helping with Joe and Spike's campaign um, last presidential election, um, we really discussed the fact that Oklahoma should really be a gold state. Uh, we have, you know, gaming through our tribal entities that everybody is very supportive of. We have lottery. We have, um, you know, medical cannabis. We have all of these entities and most of, you know, even though we're a very red state, our average age is like 35, 36. Wow. Um, overall for the state. And, um, you know, That's young. Wow. It, is, it is relatively young. Uh, we have a couple military bases here and stuff that kind of bring that down. We have a lot of new industry that has been building, bringing in uh, younger uh, workers and, you know, it really made us kind of realize based off of surveys and everything that most, even the Republicans, they are Republicans with an asterisk or Republican light because the fact that they'll even tell you like, well, I'm a Republican, but, you know, all the social issues, you know, 
lean more left or, you know, I'm, you know, I'm totally okay with, you know, you know, people having autonomy over their bodies and, and a lot of their ideologies, even though they won't admit to being a libertarian are really libertarian. And so, so really um, quick, you, you just said a magic word and or magic phrase, even they, they won't admit that they're libertarian. Why? Why? Um, I think mostly here, a, you know, as much as people want to cheer to be, you know, cheer for underdogs, most people don't want to vote for them or be part of an underdog party. They want to be part of the winners. Right. And, you know, that's a natural kind of thing that we go through. And so that's why I love um, how we've been putting so much emphasis on our candidates who have been winning um, to show that, you know, libertarians is like, Oh, well, I would change to be a libertarian, but they never went or I would change, you know, they don't have, they don't have enough of a voice. And so we're showing them that they're wrong. We're growing, we're winning elections you know, we're, you know, multiplying our membership tenfold year over year. And we're finally now at that point, at least in our state, and I'm sure a lot of states feel this way too, where people are so disgruntled with the duopoly. And here in Oklahoma, being a very red state, so many people are even mad and frustrated with the Republican Party that they are ready. You know, I've been told so many times so far that, you know, Natalie, you know, if, if this is the year to do it, I mean, if, if, if a libertarian is going to win, this is the year um, because, I mean, it's breaking apart. People want to form different political parties, the Patriot Party, all these different things. And so it's really a great opportunity if you have a strong candidate mixed with a very strong state LP, which we have. Uh, we really have the secret sauce to make it happen. So stop running as an underdog, because to your point, yeah, people like to cheer for the underdog. I wrote this quote down because it, it made me smile. People like to cheer for the underdog, but they don't like to vote for them. Think about that. That's true. People like to vote for winners. And there's a psychological tie to that because people, when they win, they know that there's a chance that the person that they won or that they wanted to win and that actually did win will get them some type of their policy. Whatever, if you were to go in that strategic voting uh, matrix, you know, give the, the plus ones, the plus twos to certain issues. And then when you compile all those different issues and you get your final score, and then certain candidates will, will yield a certain score based on the value you weigh to those certain issues. They're willing to make that calculated risk to say, if I can get my top five issues in a candidate and I know that those top five issues will actually get taken care of, then I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to cast my vote for that person. So I think right there you're speaking to, number one, it's our it's, imper it's really imperative and important for us to run as winners and to focus on solutions that we're going to bring to the table. But number two, it's important to focus those solutions to really top of mind issues. So how about that for a segue? Let's now look at Oklahoma as a case study ob for obvious sake. What are some of those top of mind issues that you're seeing right now in Oklahoma as you're going around talking to voters, but also living in Oklahoma, seeing firsthand the impact of various policies? Natalie, what are your thoughts? So right offhand, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, which also aligns with my platform is criminal justice reform. So the state of Oklahoma, we have a really, really horrible criminal justice system. We are ranked number one in incarcerating women across the nation per capita. We're ranked number two in incarceration overall. Um, we sentence our nonviolent offenders 78% longer on average. Um, I pulled up some data not too long ago where the average time spent on a sentence for a drug charge was about 27 months. And the average time spent on a charge for um, domestic violence was seven. Um, we have issues where our jails and stuff are so overcrowded that we have bed bug infestations. 
Um, they are not able to do welfare checks as frequently because the um, amount of COs are down. So, you know, people are dying in their cells. We've actually had um, more people die, inmates die in prisons in our state percentage-wise than people have died from COVID. Yet nobody is willing to fight for and shine a light on the amount of people that, I mean, like I think just in the last month and a half, we've had 11 inmates die. Um, Say that that again. You had more people as a percent die in prison. Yes. Than have died of COVID. Yes. Well, where's the, where's the pandemic? Where's that being declared? Exactly. And it's, it's really sad. And there's, because we're such a red state. Okay. The first thing when people try to shine any sort of light on it is, well, that's what they get, you know, for, breaking the law and going to jail. And it's mm. people forget that a, you know, especially when it comes to our County jail, which is the worst to be honest with you. I mean, we've had so many different protests up there just because of the conditions, you know, a lot of the people that are there are not violent offenders. You know, everybody imagines in their brain that everybody that's in jail has physically assaulted somebody or murdered somebody or committed some heinous crime when most of the time they haven't, you know, these are people that maybe didn't pay, um, you know, their, fines and stuff and then got taken up and are now having to sit in jail because they can't pay for bail or cash bail. Um, these are people who did other nonviolent crimes who have drug charges. I mean, we have a ton of people that are in the jail system right now that are not these scary, you know, violent offenders that everybody likes to think that they are. And I mean, we would have to release 12,000 people today to even be par with the percentages of all the other states and the amount of people that they incarcerate. And it's not because Oklahoma is full of more criminals. You know, it's because we are sentencing people so much longer. And for the most ridiculous thing, the corruption here um, is really pretty bad. Um, and so that is a big concern to a lot of our state on, you know, how are we going to fix the overcrowding? How are we going to get more um, correction officers um, training facilities. Our jails are just getting very old. We just recently um, announced that one of our uh, rural jails are going to be closed down. And so then where are we going to put those people? We're already overcrowded. You know, so that's a really, really big issue. Number one that we're facing is in a state that people are recognizing, but really don't know what we should do to fix it. And of course, they're never going to go to the solution of, well, should those people be in jail in the first place? Should we maybe, I don't know, not have them? In jail, that's, that's never the option that people lay on the table, of course. Oh, that's right. man, that's rough. Well, at least it's it's now being raised as a top-of-mind issue, and, and folks are waking up to it, and that's good to hear. The people in Oklahoma specifically are now looking at that. So criminal justice reform, top of yes. the list. What would you say? Now, I'm just going to say lockdowns, I'm assuming, had some impact on policy that you've been looking into. Is that something that you've been paying attention to or, or maybe COVID across the board? So, okay, in regards to shutdowns, a little bit. So Oklahoma, we like to speak to the fact that as a statewide, we only shut down for that about two-week period, um, you know, when everybody else did uh, back in, what was it, April, March? Yeah, ballpark. Um, yeah, back last year. Um, outside of that, we left it up to the cities. And so we remained fairly open compared to the rest of the United States. Um, there were a couple of policies that, were enacted by the current governor that didn't really make much sense. Like, for example, we put a um, an early closing time on bars at 11 o'clock because apparently COVID spreads faster after 11 um, at bars. Um, so that really upset a lot of business owners. Um, 
And then we had situations too, where even just being closed for a couple weeks or for some, it was longer because, you know, they reopened in, um, you know, in levels. Uh, there were some businesses that were not able to recover from that being shut down for two, three, four weeks, you know, to a small mom and pop's business, you know, can mean them even being able to open back up. And we lost a lot of businesses that way. And it was really unfortunate um, that the governor allowed himself to be kind of bullied into shutting down when, you know, the mask mandates and social distancing on its own, you know, should have been enough and allowing businesses to make their own choices on, you know, whether or not they wanted to close or, you know, what kind of um, precautions they wanted to take. I know I'm in Philly and we're still seeing some of the after effects, even the, I didn't say some of the after, after effects, many of the after effects of this lingering COVID paranoia. And mm-hmm. it's almost like this, this kind of collective, I don't even know how to describe it. it it's, it's like everybody's kind of kids, uh, you know, earmuffs parents over kids ears. It's kind of like everybody's trying to keep the S-A-N-T-A myth going around right now right and and like you just you, you don't talk about it but like when you go and you watch the different movies and the kid asks you like why the different stories of santa don't line up because it doesn't make sense to them when like you have 14 different narratives from 14 different disney movies and they're like which one is it and i'm like oh but like that's something that i think we're si- starting to see more especially in these big blue cities i'm saying that as i live in philly is that more and more there's this kind of collective Folks, focus of, of some individuals who pretend that this is still you know the, the, the end all be all. And I think it's becoming more and more apparent, especially in a lot of these more left leaning areas, that it is entirely a power grab, especially for resources. And we're seeing this with the unions, particularly in the public school uh, unions, as well as I mean, name the, the different public sector unions that are out there who are milking these massive bailouts for as much as they can get from them. And I, I get it. Incentive structures are real. Why are we pretending that they're not? So I'm wondering when you're looking at a lot of this, this fiscal chaos that we not just find ourselves in, in our individual states, but really as a, as a nation, how has that been looked at by folks in Oklahoma? Is that a top of mind issue, financial, I guess, stability as a state and uh, I guess our overall standing as a country? Um, yeah, I would say that there's a lot of concern in that area, especially with our state. And, you know, there's a couple initiatives that you know, people like myself don't agree with where we're trying so hard to get people back to work now because of the, uh, you know, unemployment system where they were able to have additional money on top of money. And so now, you know, it makes more financial sense for them to not work than to go back to employers, um, which I forgot to mention earlier has also been an issue is getting their employees to come back to work. Um, smaller businesses, again, your mom and pops and stuff like that, that can't afford to pay over a certain, you know, dollar per hour. Um, they cannot get their employees to come back. So then, you know, they're learning into issues that they cannot be open certain hours anymore or generate that revenue because they don't have employees to staff it, you know, and then we have these back to work initiatives where, um, you know, we're talking about giving people $1,200, um, you know, sign on bonuses to go back to work and get off of unemployment. Um, you know, and it's just, it really concerns a lot of us like, okay, well, we're having issues right now being able to meet our budget recommendations and stuff like that. And now you're trying to give out even more money and more bailouts. And, you know, how is that financially going to work? You know, cause it's oh, not, it's make believe it's all the magic money tree in the backyard yeah. in the white house. Right. Exactly. And then, uh, for us, especially our, um, 
our industry is not as stable as some other states because we rely so much on oil and gas. And mm. so oil and gas, you know, it when it's great, it's great. But when it's not, I mean, it puts a real financial burden on our state, you know, which is why um, a, another portion of my platform is to try to grow other more other more stable areas of um, industry for our state, because, you know, we cannot build a budget you know, you, you mentioned being in sales. I've been in sales. You cannot do a budget based off of your best commission check, right? You're going to fail and you're going to have a month, a bad month, and you're not going to be able to feed your family. Yesterday's home runs don't win tomorrow's <laughs> games. I'm sorry, folks. That's not how it works. Exactly. It's, like, it's uh, Uncle um, Uncle Rico, you know, just, oh, I hadn't gotten injured. <laughs> you know, I'm playing pro right now. I can throw this ball over that, that mountain. Like that's, and that's how a lot of people do want to approach, I guess, what is success? And you're, you're speaking to, I, I, I'm really interested to hear this because you, you talked about what is currently the economic powerhouse of Oklahoma. And that is the, it really seems to be the, I guess, energy sector. Mm-hmm. What are some of these up and coming economic opportunities that you're seeing for Oklahoma particularly? Because I think this is where we can kind of get people on the proverbial white pill, right? Where it's not doom and gloom. It's not always going to be just, you know, the, the, the meteor, please hit us now mentality. There are things that we can look forward to. So Natalie, what are you going to say in terms of looking forward in positivity? What are some of those up and coming industries? Right. So um, as I mentioned earlier, we had recently uh, three years ago, actually um, introduced medicinal cannabis to our state. And that has generated a ton of really great revenue for our state. Um, but we can do better. Um, you know, we've talked about, um, you know, passing recreational, um, hallucinogens, you know, stuff like that, that have now been medically proven to be beneficial for people who suffer from schizophrenia and other kind of mental illnesses, bipolar, um, you know, opening up that entity. There's things that we can do currently, um, you know, because we have a lot of overproduction right now um, within the cannabis industry. So allowing people who have cards from other states um, to come and uh, purchase and utilize here in our state. You know, there's lots of things like that, that to continue to boom the already very robust um, uh, cannabis industry. But on top of that is we have a really good opportunity to focus more on industrial hemp. You know, a lot of people, you know, may or may not know this, but hemp is a very versatile product. You know, you can create pretty much any kind of textile out of it, um, cooking oils, seeds, um, rope, you know, building supplies. I mean, there's and it grows so quickly uh, with the amount of, you know, rural land and stuff that we have because of the oil and gas industry and because of the previous farming industry. It would be very easy for us to pivot to that. Um, more so than we already have, and then also um, be able to really have a more green uh, resource that we're producing out of our state. And it's something that the uh, workers that have been doing oil and gas, because that's been the other problem is, you know, these people who've been working in this industry so long, you know, what else can they pivot to? And, you know, the hemp industry is something that would be a very easy transition for those workers and would enable them to uh, still make a strong living wage, um, you know, because that's been, you know, part of the issue as well is because, you know, with the really good booming part of the industry, you make really great money. But then whenever the industry isn't so good in the oil and gas, they just release everybody. Right. 
which is not stable for workers as well. So um, I feel like if we really concentrate on those sectors more um, and we're already bringing in more, um, you know, tech work, we have a electric car company that we recently signed on uh, that's going to be building in 2024 a factory in Northeast Oklahoma. So as long as we still focus on that area and bring up, um, you know, more of our cannabis industry, I think that that's going to be a great supplement to what the oil and gas industry has done for Oklahoma. So, Natalie, unfortunately, we are getting close to the tail end of the show. So I want to focus the last part more specifically on reaching your average person. Dare I say your average kind of normal person who really they don't get super involved in politics, partly because they hate it. They think it's gross. They don't want to even be associated with it. So they've completely written it off and they're like, I'm politically agnostic. Leave me alone, which kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of not hurting people, not taking their stuff. So I think we can enter into a conversation with them. But then there's a lot of folks out there who they just they're they're there. They don't really have a political maybe opinion. They they pay attention to the news every now and then they're you know, they're, they're aware of what's happening, but not really in the, the dirty details like we are. So you're in marketing. You you see the data. I'm curious. What's the best, I guess, approach to reach the normal person that you have found success with? And maybe we can take it from a micro level specifically for your campaign, looking at Oklahoma, and then maybe apply on a macro level. Obviously, you're working with Joe Jorgensen and uh, Spike Cohen's uh, presidential and vice presidential campaigns there, respectively. So uh, with that, what are your thoughts there in terms of some uh, some of that who we can reach? So a lot of it has to do with micro messaging, really, Um, you know. It's all about meeting people where they are. Everybody, even if they are not involved in politics, they all have things that they're passionate about. Right. And so it's all about finding what are those people's passions and then crafting the correct message to get to the correct person at the correct time. Um, We did a lot of message testing and stuff like that with the campaign that um, I'm obviously going to be utilizing in mine whenever it comes to uh, testing different kinds of messages, targeting people if they're more right leaning or more left leaning. Because, again, if somebody's not in politics, thanks to social media in Oklahoma, unlike California and other places, we still have a lot of data that we can target people by. uh, So we're going to use it while we still can and while people uh, don't have as much control over their privacy. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, being able to craft messaging about children and education to people who are in groups about um, education or, you know, parenting groups or being able to craft messaging about uh, how we're going to reallocate funding for, mil- uh, for uh, the police to benefit them just as much as the community, crafting the message to people who are in groups this morning. So it's all about, it's all about message crafting. And then knowing, you know, you mentioned earlier about knowing your audience. If you're in a very red state or a very blue state, you have to craft your libertarian messaging in a way that makes sense to those people. And um, I use abortion as an example. You know, as uh, libertarians, we fall all over the place on that, you know, scale. Um, I myself, I personally would never, ever have an abortion. It is against what I believe in, but I do not believe in forcing my ideology on other people. And so I'm pro-choice. Right. And so me being in a very red state, I don't argue the whether or not there should be abortion. My argument is always I'm realistically it's not going to get overturned. Right. Realistically, we all both sides, red and blue, would like for there to be less abortions, right? So whether you're libertarian, Democrat, Republican, we all ideally want there to be less less abortions. So how about instead of banning them, which didn't work in the first place, let's all work together 
to fix the root of the problem. Why are people, you know, having these um, unplanned pregnancies? You know, what can we do to make, you know, more accessible birth control? What can we do to help, you know, and, and really focus on parts of the problem where people can be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm for helping you get less abortions out there. You know what I mean? So it's, it's all about, it, you're still staying true to your message, you're, but you're breaking it down differently. So that way people on opposing sides can digest it better. So, of, you know, it, it was unintentional. And yes. I know that this is, this is great because this is completely real. I smiled in your first part. And I know my marketing guy, Chris Goizetta smiled in the second part because you said our two magic phrases. I always say, meet people where they're at. Chris always says, and know your audience. And then to hear you literally echo back completely on your own, the exact message that we have been saying here at the program. Yes, meet people where they're at, but also know your audience. It's not a matter of picking and choosing what values you want to promote, but rather knowing who you're talking to. And that's the specifics. People don't want to hear you selling things, but boy, oh boy, people love to buy the solutions to the problems that they see. And if you can offer those solutions and actually make it realistic, show them that it's tangible, show them that you're not the underdog. Why? Because people don't want to vote for the underdog, right? They want to believe in you, but they're not going to vote for you. So if we can position our ideas, not as underdog ideas, but as winning ideas, and let's focus on those winning solutions, looking at you school choice, I think that's going to be one of the biggest issues going forward, particularly just with the wins that Corey DeAngelis is having. So I would say thank you for, Natalie, unintentionally just validating everything that Chris and I have been doing here from a, a sales and marketing perspective. Yes, meet people where they're at and know your audience. And unfortunately, we are already hard-pressed for time. So I want to give you the platform here to wrap up the show, your pitch to the, the voters of Oklahoma. Now we have some time. November 2022 is when the actual election is. So between now and then, what should the voters of Oklahoma be paying attention for? And I guess what would your pitch to them be and why a libertarian solution to their problems is one that they should actually consider? Absolutely. I appreciate that. So essentially what I'm asking for voters to do is to take this time to really look at not only the um, candidates that are running, but what they've been doing over the last four years. You know, a lot of times what happens is you have candidates that are only there supporting you and supporting your organizations and doing things when it's an election window. You know, I'm I am on the streets volunteering and spending time year after year after year, even when I run as running for office. You know, I, I am literally been a servant for the people for the last 11 years. OK, so and if I don't get elected, that's not going to stop. Right. Um, because I'm already here. And so I'm asking you to look at that, look at what we stand for and don't just settle for the party that you think will win. Don't vote for who will win. Vote for who you think, um, you know, has your best interest at heart, because you know, when you look at my platform and please go to electnataliebruno.com, you will see that I check a lot more boxes than the candidate you probably voted for last time. You know, and it gives an opportunity to, even if you're not a libertarian or you're not an independent, let's say you're a Republican um, or um, a Democrat, even people in those parties have admitted that they are tired of getting crappy representation. And the best way to get representation is to give yourself uh, the ability to have more uh, types of candidates out there for you to choose from. Because whenever there's more competition, it forces your parties to put forth better candidates for you. So it benefits you in multiple ways um, outside of the fact that I have a great platform. 
um, because it would also shake things up within the state as well. And then in the future elections, you're not just going to be given, you know, crappy, mediocre candidates anymore for your other parties. They're going to be forced to put forth better candidates. So it really helps everybody all the way around. And um, so definitely go to my website, uh, follow me on Twitter, you know, like my Facebook. I put out all sorts of great material and um, not only just stances on things I believe in, but I also dig into numbers and stuff as well. I'm a very data analytics person. And so I always like to, to show the, uh, the proof in the pudding, so to speak. Um, and I appreciate being on the show. Reach out to me. I personally will respond to people as best as I can, not just my volunteers. Um, and if you liked what you heard today, also please consider donating to my campaign. There it is. And that's the call to action, folks. If you did, in fact, as Natalie said, enjoy today's episode here. I'm going to make it easy for you. Link to her website in the show notes, and that will lead you not only to learn about the issues that Natalie has been promoting over on her campaign, but give you all access to her social media, Twitter, Facebook. But with that being said, Natalie, Bruno, thank you so much for joining us here on today's special Sunday Candidate Highlight Series here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you, Brian. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30 or you living that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs like yours truly and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order, plus get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Natalie Bruno. She is running for governor out in Oklahoma as a libertarian. So please do me a favor. Go ahead and give her some support. And yes, please continue the conversation. If you enjoyed today's episode, share the episode and be sure to tag Natalie as well as yours truly at B Nichols Liberty, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Of course, yes, Chris Goizetta. God bless you, man. He got me over on TikTok. Don't worry. I've said this a million times. I want to reiterate I don't want to scare people away. Not doing dances. We're doing our uh, our overview of the sales huddle, but I'll get there in a second. So anyways, if you enjoyed, yes, like I said, today's episode, not only share the episode, but we would love to hear about it as with other folks by having you go ahead and give a quick five-star rating and review. It costs you a total of zero dollars and it makes all the difference. We've talked about this as we will uh, in upcoming episodes as we have in the past with Jeremy Todd and Chris Goizetta. What helps sell Liberty stories, storytelling, and you telling your story. Why is it that you're a member of the Brian Nichols Show audience? What value do you get every single episode? We would love to hear that. So head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash reviews. Give us a quick five-star rating and review. Now, if you want to go ahead and take that extra step. You want to start helping support, yes, the fastest growing Liberty podcast here. That's focusing on what? Helping actually changing people's minds instead of winning arguments. Well, here's two things you can do. Number one, 
head to briannickelshow.com forward slash support and you can become a supporting listener as a Patreon subscriber. How does that help the show? Well, number one, either $5 or $10 a month goes right back into the program so we can help reach more people and expanding our outreach efforts, but also at either our entry-level sales, which is the $5 a month uh, subscription, or $10 a month as an account executive. Number one, of course, you're going to get access to these awesome don't hurt people, don't take people stuff bumper sticker, but... Every single one of our uh, new Patreon subscribers get access to Q&As, webinars, uh, one-on-ones, and also, I'm really excited here, we have Chris Goizetta, who's going to be giving his entire marketing, um, marketing really, his course that he has developed as a professor in marketing, um, here for the Brian Nichols Show audience. Jeremy Todd's going to be working on some stuff as well for you guys from a sales perspective, so a lot of great things happening over in the Patreon, and I want to thank very quickly our Patreon subscribers, Daryl Schmitz, Laura Stanley, Michael Lemma, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Hody Johns, DaCosta, and we are libertarians. Thank you to you awesome Patreon supporters. It really means a lot. And hey, we are going to have some really exciting things coming down the road. Now, that was part one. Part two of how you can help support the program also goes hand in hand with how you can look awesome as a loving liver, uh, liver, <laughs> loving, loving liberty lover. There we go. Um, and, and how can you do that by going ahead and uh, going to briannicholshow.com forward slash shop and at the Brian Nichols show shop with our awesome uh, sponsorship with proud libertarian you can get some awesome swag such as our don't nuke me bro uh, crop top uh, hoodies for for the, the the ladies as well as our t-shirts for the gents you can get your a uh, Facebook extremist uh, warning shirt or or what have you and, and of course make sure you personalize it yes you can insert your name into your Facebook uh, extremist warning uh, shirt as well uh, and uh, all the classics the the Google and Alexa overthrow the government shirts and bumper stickers cool mask bro and of course the classic don't hurt people and don't take people's stuff bumper stickers t-shirts and backpacks that's right thank you proud libertarian they are amazing and uh, of course use code TBNS at checkout and you will get 10% off your order, not just at the Brian Nichols uh, store over on Proud Libertarian, but everywhere over on Proud Libertarian, code TBNS at checkout, 10% off your entire order. Now, have you had the chance yet to get your awesome free ebook that will help you sell liberty? This is something that I've been so excited to see as, you know, really getting some value. And this is my brand new free ebook that is available to you right now. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook. And by the way, links for everything we're talking about here in the show notes. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash Liberty Friends ebook. Give us your email. You will go ahead and get sent right to your inbox. Four easy steps you can implement now to help sell liberty to friends and family. It is a very quick read and it's all actionable things you can do literally right now. And it's free. So, briannicholshow.com forward slash liberty sales. I'm sorry, liberty friends ebook. There we go. And I was going to my next thought because then you will also be entered into our daily sales huddle every single morning, 6 a.m. or so after I'm done working out, I'm firing over a quick sales huddle to you guys on various topics. We've talked about things like doing your own personal SWOT analysis, talking about overcoming objections, understanding your buyer's real wants, needs, and desires. Why do people buy? Of course, people love to buy things, but people hate being sold to overcoming all these little objections and these maybe common concerns that people who are in sales have 
have on a daily basis. We're covering those. And yes, I am a director of sales here in the greater telecommunications industry. This is stuff I actually do uh, all day long in teaching my team, training my team. So you're getting a uh, real firsthand real life experience and, uh, you know, real Look at me. I'm a manager. I'm directing. I'm directing you guys to help teach you how to be better advocates and salespeople for liberty. And I want you to be able to make sure that you're going in to battle, if you will, with the most important information available. And that is how to be an effective communicator. And it starts with, for those of you who are the the ebook, asking not just asking questions, but asking better questions. So you want to start being able to ask better questions, head over to the Brian Nichols show, Liberty friends ebook, sign up, get the ebook sent to your inbox, and then get ready to get all these amazing sales huddle tips sent right to your inbox every single weekday. So with that being said, guys strap in Monday, we're getting ready to hit things off on the run. No pun intended. Cause I am actually going to see, I think Remzo Martinez's episode where I joined him on his new program on the run with Remzo W. Martinez. And we talked about this very thing, selling Liberty and specifically my four easy step uh, ebook. So of course, make sure you go ahead. And if you have not subscribed to Remzo Martinez's awesome show, go ahead and do that. But coming up here as we hit the ground running on Monday, Jeremy Todd, we're talking all things sales. So if you have not had the chance yet, hit that magic subscribe button for your YouTube listener. Make sure you've hit the magic uh, notification bell as well as the subscribe button. And while you're doing that, give us a thumbs up. And folks, with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on the Brian Nichols show for Natalie Bruno. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Brian Nichols show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.